Hi, all. Thank you for continuing to tune into the Mile 40 podcast. I'd like to give an important disclaimer before we head into this next episode. This episode contains discussions of assault and domestic violence. On this episode, we cover the story of a survivor of domestic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Everyone's like, how could you end up in a situation like this? And I said, because it's it's done systematically and slowly, very slowly over time. Kind of like if you put a frog, like they say, in a pot and slowly turn up the water, he doesn't realize he's being boiled until, quite frankly, the end. And we've we've arrived there, right? Like, how come the frog didn't know? He didn't know because if you turn it up a degree every week, you know, you, you just wouldn't know. Um, so all these little things, again, in hindsight, were planting little seeds that would make me eventually start to just be uneasy and walk on eggshells. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. Thank you all for continuing to tune in. I can't say it enough, but I have to say it to kick off every episode. Uh, the last couple of weeks have been tremendous on the back of the release of Audacious. Thank you all for continuing to support. Uh, the promotion code is going to be in the show notes. You can get a discount off both Audacious and Break Barriers, so check it out. If you haven't already, please be sure uh, to hit follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, we've been getting a lot of traction there. So uh, if you get a chance, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, today's episode is a particularly special episode, and I'm very, very excited for this episode. Um, and I want to call out that this episode is going to hit on a lot of important points. And I encourage you all to listen front to end on this episode, uh, because I feel like we have a lot to learn and a lot to be uh, inspired from today's guest. Today's guest is Kia Lee. Kia is the author of Lighthouse, Surviving Narcissistic Abuse. She's a graduate of the New School, where she earned her Bachelor of Fine Arts. Originally from Bucks County, Pennsylvania, she has spent the past two decades making New York City her home. She has a unique ability to share her vulnerabilities and challenges openly, creating a profound connection with her readers and fostering empathy and understanding. Her authentic voice and relatable writing style have resonated with many as she passionately shares her personal journey with a global audience. Now, in my hand... I have a copy of Lighthouse right here. So if you are watching this on YouTube, you can see the book. If you're listening, I highly encourage you to pick it up. Kia, I started reading and it's a very difficult book to put down. So first and foremost, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and sharing your platform with me. Thank you. Of course, of course. I couldn't help, but the minute we were introduced, just get really, really tied to you and your message. Uh, because one thing that's abundantly clear about what you're doing is 
this is all mission driven. It's got nothing to do with, you know, becoming an author for being the sake, for the sake of being an author. It's not about um, building a following. It's really about getting a message out there, a message that's so deeply personal to you. And so I want to call that out for all the listeners, because I think that's really, really important when you look at the spectrum of guests that we've had on this show all incredible people. One of the things that really unifies them and what I really kind of appreciate about you, Kia, is the fact that you're leading, you know, with your full self, you're being very vulnerable, you're being fully authentic, and um, you're bringing that to life. And so I want to make sure I call that out at the beginning, but let's get some background on you. Um, I know I gave your bio, but uh, why don't we take a couple steps back? Tell us where you grew up to start. Sure. I grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, more specific to that Langhorn Levittown, PA. It's about um, 90 miles south of New York City. Um, it's a little more developed now, but back growing up, at least it felt very, very suburban, very open. You know, we have some cornfields there. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it was a really nice place to grow up and, you know, just um, fresh air and good people and food. So let's talk a little bit about family dynamics. Uh, any siblings? Sure. Yeah, I have two younger sisters. Okay. So you yeah, are the oldest yep. of three? I am the oldest. And yes, birth order uh, definitions apply. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, and then from a, from a family perspective, um, anything unique about your childhood? Uh, yes, I come from a single mother home. Uh, my dad was not present. He was in and out um, there when I was born, but then not really present and would drop in and out at no real, if you read the book, you'll see there's no real, like it was every Monday or every other weekend. It was literally at random. Um, and my sisters and my mom and me, just us and our perfect little little team, I would call us. And given that you are the oldest, did you have a mm -hmm. lot of responsibility growing up? Oh, for sure. You know, taking care of my sisters when my mom was at work, you know, cleaning, cooking, and not so much that my mom put it on me. It was just like, I felt like if I could help, I wanted to help and be, you know, part of the solution and not part of, you know, making her more and more stressed out. And my grandparents, you know, helped out. We would go there, you know, while during the summers while my mom worked, um, my aunts and uncles definitely stepped in. But when it was just us in our home, you know, cooking, cleaning, you know, teaching my sisters things. And sometimes they would teach me things. <laughs> fair enough. Um, now, yeah. what, is it fair to say that you guys operated as a unit? Well, you know, were you, was everything all right, you know, in terms of your sisters? A hundred percent, a hundred percent operated as a unit. Um, we would be pit bulls for each other. I remember one day my sister came in crying. Um, this is when we lived on, what was it? 108 Trenton road. And I was like, what's wrong? And I remember storming out, walking around the corner and screaming at this at the time, little child. Cause my sister was maybe, I don't know, six, seven. And I said, if you ever make my sister cry again, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, my sister was like, yeah, you know, so it was just, you know, we took care of each other. And if anyone was going to pick on my sister, it was going to be me. It wasn't going to be anybody else, you know, you know, so no one, you know, makes any of us cry. So we get very protective when anyone is taking advantage of us or we feel that they are, or we see things that the other person doesn't see. I want to, you know, kind of quickly build up toward any potential insecurities that you had growing up. Um, because I think, you know, getting to that could really open up the dialogue for, um, you know, your story in adulthood. 
And so sure. let's let's talk about that a little bit. You mentioned your father. You mentioned mm-hmm. he kind of came around uh, whenever he decided he wanted to. Was there mm-hmm. anyone that ever filled that role in your life? Um, my uncles and my grandfather, I would say. Uh, my grandfather has a huge presence even now to this day. You know, how I operate is very much ingrained in how my grandfather was. You know, he was in you know the military. He hung his American flag every morning and would take it down every night and fold it in a very you know, um, loving way and just a lot of integrity. So that influenced me. And then that's instilled into my uncles. So they would all step in, you know, when needed and when not needed, you know, they're, they're always there and present and I love them. Yeah. So you bring up an interesting, an interesting, um, thing to think about there. You talk about your uncle and you talk about how structured he was. And then you talk about your father and how unstructured his visits were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were you, is it fair to say that by seeing the two extreme dynamics, you were immediately glued to one and perhaps had a negative view of the other? I think that as a child, it's hard to have discernment. So I think I was drawn to what felt like a chase where my grandfather and my uncles felt very safe, right? If I needed them, they were there. They were always present. I didn't have to look for them. But my dad, on the other hand, I had to look. So oddly, you know, I focused on the the non-present one, right? And chasing after that of like, well, maybe it's me. What did I do? And then it turned into, oh, no, it's definitely me. Because if everyone, you know, why, why wouldn't you want to be around me? So that turns into a subconscious chase because again you're a child so you you can't discern you know other people and their issues and then you and then them having nothing to do with you you think everything has to do with you and you know if someone doesn't want to be around it's because of the way i look or the way i sound or what i am doing or what i'm not doing type of thing for sure so i really focused on that you know it'd be nice if i just focused on what i had and but you know that's Probably never the case for anybody in anything. So would you say that you had more of an anxious attachment style? Yeah, I I never get into like the definitions of these things because it scares me because it like puts everything in a box and then everyone assumes they know everything because they know one definition. Um, But probably, yeah, I would say that sounds that sounds about right for sure. Now, I'm not a psychologist and I don't want to misspeak, but from what I remember reading about attachment styles, a lot of them come from a person's relationship with their mother. And from what I gathered here, you and your mother had a a pretty solid relationship all throughout. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to that point, again, I want to clarify for all listeners out there, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't want to misspeak, but I, I wonder how it plays out in a situation like yours where it is a single parent household. And I could see Mm -hmm. how that dynamic with um, your father could create uh, the type of situation where you're all about the chase. Uh, Yeah. And that's been pretty much my, my, my life or my, not my life. I would say like my interpersonal relationships or even mostly my romantic relationships and if I th- sit down and think about it, I could probably think of a few friendships where that was definitely um, a uh, foundation for sure. When you were a young girl, you know, and, and you were kind of looking at the world in front of you and, and 
thinking about the person that you wanted to become with the dynamic that you were growing up in. And, you know, what, what a hundred percent, it's unique to you. Um, you know, you, you know, there are many, many single parent homes out there. Um, and many people in, in a similar situation. Um, what did you envision for yourself? Not, not really like, what did you want to be, but, um, what did you envision for yourself in terms of the life that you wanted to build? Did you anticipate that you were going to grow up to lead a normal life with a normal family structure and, you know, maybe one day have kids and, and kind of go about it that way? Or did you expect to be maybe paving a path that was just very unique to you? That's funny because if you, I'll work for, backwards and forwards a bit um, to get to the answer. If you would tell me, Back then, the life that I was living now, which I very much love and am so grateful for, I'd be like, nah, you know, and not because I hate it, but just it wouldn't make sense to me. Um, but back then, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be rich. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to be able to take care of my mom and my sister so no one had any worries, no debt, no worries, and no stress. Because I remember just seeing my mom at times, you know, there's weight on her, right? She has three daughters who she loves very much, but she has to feed them. She has to do all these things that families that have two parents do, you know, and it can still be troublesome and hard with two parents, but at least, you know, the, the load, it can be, you know, shared, you know, you're, you're married and you, when you need time, you can tap on the shoulder and your wife will go gotcha and vice versa, where she didn't really have that, you know, she could ask family, but then there would be guilt on her part because she, has chosen what she chose or not so much. Um, and I don't think anyone chooses to be a single parent, but she chose to move forward in that. Um, so to inconvenience other people, you know, to watch your children or to do things for you wasn't really her style. It was to figure it out and make it work. Um, so seeing all that, I wanted to grow up and be someone's big enough you know, and I use that word because that's, you know, in my my inner child, that's the word she would use, you know, to take care of her and take care of my siblings so we could do all these amazing things. And I remember looking at catalogs, you know, and seeing, you know, the islands with like the blue, you know, and green waters and, you know, thinking, wow, I will never get there. But maybe if I work hard enough, I can totally get there and take my mom and my sisters. Um, and I would see furniture stores and think, wow, you know, that would be so lovely. I never really thought about um, having a husband or having children. It wasn't actually until my late 20s where I was like, I 100% want kids. You know, my whole 20s, I was like, I'm not so sure, you know, because I was enjoying life. And I was like, how do you do all that? And now I understand older, you can do all that. It takes planning or not. You can plan all you want with kids. But my godchildren have showed me it does not matter what you plan. Um so, um, and uh, definitely, um, a husband for sure. Um, but I've learned over the years of what that truly means. Um, I'm looking for a partner, not just, I don't want to be in a relationship anymore for the sake of being in a relationship and anyone can have a girlfriend or boyfriend or partner, whatever you, you know, um, identify as in, in the sense of using that term. Um, but I really want someone, you know, to support me and I support them and we grow together and build together. Right. Um, so yeah. And then based on where I am now in life, I'm proud of myself and I think my inner child would be proud to, you know, absolutely. Growing up, 
Was there ever anyone around you, whether it was an aunt and uncle or a specific relationship dynamic um, that you saw and maybe pointed toward as kind of being uh, maybe the ideal dynamic or a dynamic that you wanted for yourself? Sure. First and foremost, it's my grandparents. Their photo uh, of them on one of their anniversary um, celebrations is on my nightstand. And every relationship has their issues, obviously. But to me, you know, they were like a, a king and a queen, you know, in love and always supportive, um, even in moments where maybe one of the two didn't agree um, or weren't necessarily happy with what was going on. And my uncles, I believe, from what I see, do embody that as well. You know, they're all happily married. Um, I love my aunts, you know, so... I would say that my, it's my grandparents for sure. Like I always looked at them and still to this day and I go, wow, you know? Yeah. 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 That, that generation, when you see, you know, those couples who have been together for, for decades at this time, I don't know what was brewing in the water back then. Uh, right. But they, no distractions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. You Let's, had to be focused. And if there was an issue, you addressed it. You just didn't get online and swipe and be like, oh, I can find someone, you know, to put up with my BS and not grow. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whole different, whole different ball game. Well, I, I, I wanted to, you know, ask you all these questions to help kind of pave the way now to dig into a little bit more about your own relationship dynamic, right? And to kind of talk about where that started um, and where your journey um, started to kind of build to the story that now you're ultimately sharing with the world. So why don't you walk us through the beginnings and then, I'll, you know, I don't, I'm not going to interrupt you, but I'll ask you questions yeah, yeah. along the way. Sure. And always feel free to interject because I can go on and on and on. <laughs> as I'm told. Um, so yeah, no, um, I moved to New York when I was 18, fresh out of, you know, high school. I always knew I wanted to be here, um, to, you know, chase my career as a musical theater performer. So it's interesting in New York, right? It's the city that never sleeps and you get here and all of a sudden it's very lonely. Um, so at that time there wasn't really much like online dating. It was kind of new and weird. So, you know, I would just go out, you know, to bars and parties and make friends and, you know, I would date here and there and have fun, but, you know, nothing too serious or anything. And it was like in the mid, like 2007, I started 2006, 2007, I started to get, you know, a little lonely, which I can identify that now, but then I'm not sure that I could. So I would go to my romantic relationships to fill that void. And again, I know this now, but back then it was just kind of like a, hmm, you know, I'm missing something. So that's where I chose, you know, to fill that void. Some people might eat, some people, you know, might work out for 20 hours a day or, you know, whatever. Mine was like, okay, let me go on a date. And then, you know, I really, really like them and, you know, tr you know, rush the process and find myself either, you know, it wouldn't work out, which that's best case scenario. And you, you're sad for a few weeks and then you move on. Or, you, you know, I would find myself with these people that would just be like dark, but like, I couldn't figure it out. I'd be like, oh, it must be their, you know, their childhood. And I would have so much empathy and compassion. And instead of running, I would be like, let's dive deeper. Like, how can I help them? You know? And I would, it's almost like you're running um, into like a little bird that's hurt and you, and you just want to love them so they could love themselves and see them how you see them. Um, so 
that's kind of like a a sped up timeline because um, I you know don't want to get into specifics um, of people, um, but like I've had great loving relationships. Everyone pretty much, yeah, I would say aside from the last person um, that you know it didn't work out. We've ended amicably, and you know from time and time we'll just be like, hey, how are you doing? Great, great. Move on. Like I I don't think there's I want to challenge anyone to find any of them, <laughs> you know, anyone that would have anything bad to say, um, you know, relationships don't always work. And I don't think that they have to end in like a disgusting, you know, horrible, negative way, you know, at times, you know, we're just meeting people on our paths and, you know, sometimes some of us grow and we all grow at different times, right. You know, um, or what we want changes. So, um, I wish I knew then what I know now, um, in my last relationship, um, I was lonely. The pandemic was right upon us and then was happening. And it really, really magnified in me, you know, those things that I was lacking inside self-confidence, which, you know, people will look at you and be like, you don't have self-confidence issues. Sure. On the outside and maybe in business and other ways. No, but in like private hundred percent and anyone that says that they don't, I don't know that I would necessarily believe that, or maybe they haven't dug deep enough yet, but, um, you know, I was lonely and this person I think had been watching for a while. And I think I was, I mean, not think I know I was targeted because that's how this type of thing works. And, you know, the pandemic and, and everything going on at the time, it was just the perfect timing isolation, no social, you know, everyone's freaking out, you know, trying to manage their own life and everything is happening to everyone all at once. Right. So for once in hopefully our lifetime, there's a singular event that's affecting everyone at the same time, you know? So let me pause you really quick now. Yeah. A couple of questions. Um, yeah. Before the pandemic, these other let's call them relationships, the people that you were dating. I want to go back to the idea of, of being someone who likes the chase. Was that something that you were conscious of during that cycle of dating uh, in the beginning? Definitely not. I don't like to chase. I like to, I think I like to be chased. Um, oh, you like to be chased. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I, th I think so. I, you know, I think, you know, I think in the perfect world, everyone's on the same page and you're moving, you know, and like, I'd like to see you. I'd like to see you too. Let's keep it going kind of thing. Um, but yeah, totally. Back then, I think I was addicted to the chase. Didn't like the chase. Didn't even know that that's what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. I, I, and just to be clear, yeah. the, the chase, who's chasing who? Just for the listeners there. I think for me back then, me chasing the guy. You chasing 100%. the guy. Yes. Okay. 100%. That's what yeah. I want to get at right there. So, I mean, yeah. it could be addicting. And I mean, you know, self-admittedly during my single era, I was addicted to the chase too. I mean, there is something about it that uh, I think it, it pumps a little bit of adrenaline in you. Um, to get a little bit of, you know, to see small wins along the way during the chase. And, um, you know, I, I can only speak for myself, you know, a part of it was gamified, you know, like, you know, once you found something that worked, you know, you wanted to figure out ways to maximize the impact of that. Um, Correct. Um, 100%. And, you know, if, if things didn't work with a certain person, you learn something that now you can perhaps bring to 
the next right. dynamic. Um, right. And so, yeah, learn what you like, what you don't like. Yeah. Or like, oh, I did that. That's not great. Or, oh, that really worked, you know, for sure. So, you know, just to kind of build the lay of the land now, what's going on in your life outside of dating, uh, you know, between the series of, you know, those dates and relationships until the pandemic? So, like, where were you career wise when the pandemic hit? Uh, when the pandemic hit, I was working at a fitness startup. Um, was amazing. We were building an app. We were connecting the app to a product. Um, I'm not using names or, I mean, I guess that I can, because it doesn't exist anymore. Equinox media. And we were building the app and connecting it to the, you know, the bike product. And, and it was an amazing time. You know, the company, I think the oldest person might have been 43, you know, 44. Um, and the youngest person, you know, in their early twenties. So it was a very fresh, vibrant, company we're building, um, having, you know, happy hours and just, it was just a lot of energy and a lot of group workouts. We would do Barry, cycle, all of these team outings, you know, and outside of that meeting for dinner and, you know, making friends and connections and my life outside of work, you know, I would travel, go to the islands because again, as a kid, I was obsessed with the white sands and the and the turquoise waters. So I was like, I have to go to every single island so I can know which has the best water, which has the best sand. Um, so I was doing a, a lot of that and, you know, spending time with my family and then friends outside of work um, and just really living it up and enjoying being in New York City and and like a little and more settled than I was when I moved here at 18. Right. You yeah. know, were you happy outside of relationships? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And what, what, but I was focused on the one thing I didn't have because all my friends were dating and then getting engaged and then married and then having kids. And then part of me was like, I am not doing that. I'm behind. I'm, I'm behind. Wow. I'm really behind. And then I have a subset of girlfriends who, you know, been there, done that divorced or just never did. And then I would, you know, focus and I'm like, well, they're good. So, so I'm good. So I lived in this like weird straddling the fence of, you know, how do, how do I make this happen? Which obviously like, that sounds horrible. Like, how do I make this happen? You know, with a relationship, a partnership and children, you should never force any of those. Um, and I've seen people who have, and you know, you have to live with that, you know, you know, potentially forever, which is not, um, a great thing all the time. Um, so I was just, trying, but it's hard. The dating apps are hard, you know, for men and women, but you know, I can only speak to be a woman. It's like a lot of ghosting. A lot of people, um, haven't done the work, but pretend to, or have a facade, you know, on their Instagram. And, you know, they're like, I was a runner, you know, I love running. And then you learn, they only started running like six months ago or two months ago. And it's like, dude, it's okay to just say, I got, I just got into running. You don't have to like whip up this whole, you know, thing, you know, Yeah. So, and it, it's just hard and you you go and it feels like a job interview. And then like, you want to believe what they say. So you can like jump all in, which is what I did and believe everything. And then they're ghosting you or they're not interested anymore. And you're like, okay. So I just decided to focus on myself and, you know, just do my thing, you know, which is focus on work and travel. You know, I don't want to jump around too much because we have to get back to the pandemic, but you, you bring up a good point me and my wife talk about it and, you know, we had our own journey. Me and my wife had our own journeys of being single for a while and dating different people and, 
you know, we were her and I dated three times before we we got back together and got married. So we we were you know we were out there and we had our experiences. But you know, to your point, it's a whole different age right now. And 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 post COVID and even in the last four years, pre COVID and post COVID is a whole different world in in the dating scene right now. To the point where maybe I say this because I'm, you know, I'm a professional and I've been, you know, in the workspace workplace for a while now. And, you know, I have a good head on my shoulders professionally that like, if I were to get back out into the scene, I, I could never get back on one of those apps. I probably have to hire someone at this point. Like I, what would you recommend at this point for someone, you know, let's call it in their upper twenties, young thirties, who's single, what is the best way to meet someone today? I'm still trying to figure that out. I refuse to get on the apps. I I just can't. I think uh, a lot of people can hide a lot there and too much. And by the time you figure it out, you've invested too much or you're so much at risk for other things. Um, I have contemplated hiring someone, um, but then there's that. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to, me personally, I think doing what you love and going out there. So, and being aware of where you're going out. If you go out to a bar and you are, what are you really going to meet at a bar? You know, like, so it's like, maybe it's better to do something you love. If you love to cook, take cooking classes and go with the intention of taking the cooking class, not to meet someone. And I do believe that over time, something will happen and something will click, you know, Um, because anyone can get married right now. If you wanted to right now, if you really want to be in a relationship, you can go and date whomever. And I'm not saying you're going to get your list, but the point is anyone can find someone um, if, if that's really all you want to just be with someone for the sake of being with someone. Um, my advice is just to do what you love and to focus on that and to do the work for yourself. You can't demand all of these things of someone else if you haven't done that for yourself. I have a list of, you know, my future person and I go through that list and I say, do you embody those same things? And, you know, for the most part I do and where I don't and, or I fall short, I'm working on it. My, my wife had a similar list. So, ah, so very cool. So that, that's very cool. It works. <laughs> very cool. I'm uh, hopefully, I mean, you'd have to ask her if it works, but, uh, <laughs> <Part two. laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she had it in a drawer that I like happened to just kind of, I was cleaning out that I'm like, what is this? And then like, she, she told me, and I, I actually didn't read the list cause I didn't want to know what was on the list. Uh, but I'm hoping that I checked off some of those boxes. Uh, you definitely did. I mean, you're there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> um, so no, I know I appreciate that insight because look, I think that there's a wide variety of people who listen to this show. Um, and I hear it all the time from friends that are single, friends of friends that are single um, right now. And like, I, I was very in touch with what it was like to be single during the COVID era. And I realized even from 2020 or 2019 into 2020, how dramatic the change was in the type of individuals that you're meeting on the main medium for dating. And it was very problematic. And then I, I talked to people who are um, you know, going about it now and, and, you know, they're kind of scratching their heads. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. thank you for sharing your insight on that. So let's go back okay. now yeah. to COVID. All right. So now you're yeah. in COVID. Uh, we talked yeah. about where you are from a career perspective. Um, we talk about the fact that you come across this individual, where did you and the individual meet? We worked out at the same CrossFit. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And we had known of each other 
for several, you know, years, because we had both went to this place, you know, to work out and it would either be coming or going like, hey, hey, or, you know, the gym would have events, you know, and, and that's literally the extent of anything. So I didn't know him, but I knew of him. So therefore it was kind of like, oh, this person's safe, right? Because if this person is not safe, people surely talk, you know? Yeah. So in theory, you mean you went about it the way you said you'd go about it now, going to the cooking class. And That's so, I mean, I just want to, again, kind of make this a conversation where the audience picks up on the fact that what you did was like so normal. And so, you know, probably most people think it's probably the best way to go about it. I mean, I recall from my days that that was the ideal scenario is if I met someone that I worked out with. Yeah. Okay. You share a passion. Yeah. I don't have to explain why I'm at the gym for two hours. You get, you get it. And there's the safety <laughs> of the community around you, right? right. There's also that thought right. that this person, if, if things don't mm-hmm. work, want to work out, they probably want to end it on a respectful note because, you know, we're, we're going to the same place. And my thought is if it's a, someone that does CrossFit, it's someone that's passionate about fitness and it's someone that doesn't want to lose that element of their life. And so it's not worth the risk of ruining a dynamic. Correct. Okay. Exactly. So yeah. we've established that. Take us from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just started at, you know, more like a little bit on, you know, Instagram of like liking things, sending messages, checking in. And then it, you know, spiraled into a little bit more of like, you know, texting and, you know, talking. Um, and then we'll fast forward into like summer when we were working out, even though I guess in New York City you weren't supposed to. Um, but secretly we worked out um in the gym. Um And we started just partnering up and doing partner workouts together, you know? So it was like, oh, we're getting to know each other now in person, right? Because I learned, so I thought previously, you know, anyone can be anything online, right? And online doesn't mean necessarily an app, meaning for dating, but anyone can be anything in an instant, you know, DMs or even text messages. It's another thing to be in person and seeing this person, like, I'm like, oh, so this person does work out. They are good at what they do, you know? And it's like starting to see, do do words and actions align, you know, which they, they were, you know, at the time, which I'd like to point out is something that this person clearly worked on to know, to do. Right. Got it. So, um, that was summer of 2020. Yep. Yep. Summer of 2020. He asked me out on a few, a few times to go grab like a drink. And, you know, we did. And it's interesting because the first time, the first two times, I think we did Tofino on Dittmars and then we did the Pomeroy on Dittmars. And the, the it was interesting because the conversation wasn't necessarily there. And I was sitting back and I'm like, Hmm, like there was something that I couldn't put into words, but I was just like, Hmm. And even he sensed it. Cause he would say, I didn't think you liked me in the very beginning, you know? And part of me, like, I didn't want to say it at the time. I was like, I wasn't so sure. It wasn't, you know, I don't really go on like, Oh, I like this person try to go on feeling. And I try to like, you know, it needs to feel right. Cause you know, he, like his social media was very like crass. And then in person, he was just like self-deprecating, which made me go, Hmm, there's something wounded here, but then he would open the car door. So I'm like, all of these things, you know, I was just like, something isn't right. And then the third date he asked me on that. I said yes to was, he's like, I want to take you upstate to the vineyards. And I'm like, that's a complete 180 from the last two. 
And I'm thinking to myself, this is a risk because we're going to be in a car. You know, it's a lot of time spent if something doesn't work out in the first 10 minutes. And far away. Yeah, there's no, it's a tough return. (laughs) You know, because I've been to on some dates that are, you know, dinners and you're like, can I say check please in the first 15 minutes? Yeah. But I said, you know what? Screw it. It's the pandemic. Let's let me get out of the city. Let's enjoy. And like, let's just go for it. You know, and he was a completely just different person from then on. It was almost like he did his homework and knew what I was looking for and like kind of morphed into that. Obviously, I'm saying this in hindsight, not back then. You know, back then I was enjoying it, but there was still this little voice going, hmm. And I even say this in the book something's off, something's off. But I was just like, no, you know, you're just being paranoid. You know, what most women do, and because I, I can only speak as being a woman, you know, you just push those little thoughts aside and be like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. If you know me, you know that I like to look good and feel good. As an endurance athlete who trains daily, I need my wardrobe to fit the mold. Roan creates performance-driven clothing for your active lifestyle. Each piece is designed for versatility and made with integrity to outfit you for an active life lived on your own terms. The Roan promise is to help you move forever forward. Use code MILE40 for 20% off online and in-store for new customers only. Visit www.rhone.com, that's Roan spelled R-H-O-N-E, or find your local store and move forever forward starting today. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I think that's one of the tough parts about this whole thing is that you're right. Like, if especially if, if you're someone who uh, is single and who you know, you mentioned it yourself. Some of your friends had gone through the phases of getting married and and some of them have done it happily. Some of them, you know, even got past it, then got divorced. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're kind of questioning, well, you know, what about me? Like, am I doing something wrong? Am I not doing, you know, do I need to do something? Like at the end of the day, in order to get any sort of reward, you do need to take a little bit of a risk. And on the outside, yeah, I could see how it could be, risky. Uh, but to your point also, it, it wasn't like, Hey, let's hop on a flight and go to Mexico. It was, Correct. it was like That'd just the right amount of, <laughs> it was like the, just the right amount of risk where, yeah, you'd be in a crappy situation probably like if, if the date, you know, one sour and you were an hour outside the city or two hours outside an the expensive city. Uber home, an expensive Uber <laughs> home, but you, yeah, there was, there was a, a way out of that. Um, but you know, and I don't know how much of this you can answer or would want to answer, but what did you know at that point about his prior relationship history, if anything? And like, cause it is kind of odd, right? Like to kind of, yeah, I knew of who his last ex was. Um, I knew of her, you know, cause you know, of the gym. Um, and I knew that, you know, she was nice. I had, I helped her with her resume at, you know, certain points, you know, prior to all of this. So you know, so when you look at that, it's just like, and when I asked him, because I always usually ask whomever I'm dating, what happened in your last relationship, you know, and his only reply ever was, it just didn't work out. Which is in, you know, in the moment, okay, fine, fair. In hindsight, now, if anyone said that, I'd be like, can you be more specific, you know, Um, because I can be specific, why it didn't work out in my relationship prior to this individual was, you know, he wanted to spend more time alone and I wanted to spend more time together. 
and because he would like to build computers and, you know, and I was focused on like being together. So that's why it didn't work out. We didn't want the same thing, you know? And so it's important to be able to articulate why, because if you can't, then to me, there is an issue there of accountability and just presence. Like, how do you not know, you know, that, Yeah. you know? No, I think that that's very fair. Okay. So now you, you're at the vineyard. How'd that yeah. day go? The day was actually really great. It was a fun, fun day. You know, we went to the vineyard, then we went to, um, Hudson whiskey for a whiskey tasting. Then we had dinner and then we added on, I know it's like goes on and on, uh, a movie at the drive-in up there. And it was just fun. It was one of those things where it was just so much fun that we're just like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do that. And it, it was great. You know, so there was in those moments to me, there were no red flags, you know, because we were up there anyway. So it's like to add more things on, it'd be like if you were in the city and you met for drinks and then you went to another bar, you know, or you're like, you know, so it it felt it was it was really nice, you know, and, you know, tag this along to not dating for a minute because of the pandemic and the last dates up to that point being pretty crappy, you know, I was like, oh, this, this is a win, you know, for sure. You mentioned was, and I I don't want to make presumptions here. Were the majority of your dates alcohol centered in the beginning? I would think, yeah, it was always dinner. I would always try and do dinner. Cause I agree. I don't believe that a date should just be drinking. I mean, you can, but think about that process. I always like food because it requires, I can see one, how you treat the, you know, the wait staff, I can, you know, all of those things, but also it's a slower pace thing where you're, you're drinking. If that's all you're doing, I mean, you probably, someone probably just wants one thing, or maybe you both only want one thing and then, you know, have at it. But I, um, in my twenties probably, cause that's what 20 year olds do, but in my thirties, no, always either an activity or a meal. And I would say that even on the apps, you know, like I have no desire to just meet for a drink, unless it's coffee, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just, that doesn't, for me, that's like a no. And I don't love drinking like that, you know? Yeah, it, it's funny because like when I, again, speaking for myself, like I think about it in my 20s, you know, because you're young mm-hmm. and, and and you think of your your partner as like being your friend, you, right. you naturally kind of take them to the places where you are. At that point in life, I was spending a lot of time in the bar, so I was you know, like, Hey, like, let's grab a drink. And, you know, it took me some time to understand that like your partner isn't just a drinking buddy. There's more to that. Like, and so, um, I asked that because I wanted to get at, you know, was he planning all these dates around, you know, maybe the environment that he felt most comfortable at? Maybe just, he hasn't matured enough to kind of get right. past that era. And I'm making a lot right. of wild presumptions here, but <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm trying to add some color to the show here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that, I think he was trying to pick things that he thought that I would like. Yeah. Fair. Okay. You know? Yeah. And the vineyard is a hundred percent spot on the other two places. I enjoyed eating there, but like it, you know, it doesn't do anything for me. Got it. Got it. Okay. So now you had a great date. Yep. Let's talk about what happens after and let's build toward where we start to see a flag. Sure. So shortly thereafter, we spend a lot of time together. And as and as I say, why I mentioned my previous relationship of this individual 
wanting more separation time than together time. This was the complete opposite of this individual being like, oh, I'm free, like all the time. So it should have been a red flag. But for me, I looked at it like you just got out of this other relationship previously where this person didn't want to really spend time together. And that clearly dinged like my childhood wound of like, what do you mean you don't want to spend time with me? You know, and that, and then this person that just wants to be like, let's be together. Let's, let's do all the things together, you know? And like, he quickly like kind of moved in, you know, his things, you know, were just there and it became, it was natural in the sense of like, we were together. So no one thought of anything. And it's very like New York, right? Like, People don't like to commute. And then for some, it takes longer or shorter, you know, than others. Um, And then it started dinging around, like when my family would want to come by or I'd want to spend more time with my grand, uh, my, not my grandkids, my God kids. He would just make little off comments, you know, of like, oh, well, remember, I have to work the night shift. So like, when are they coming? And it's like, this is my house. And my family always comes, you know, like I'm usually the center hoster um, of all those things. So it was like, and I'm passive, not anymore, but I was passive. So I didn't really like conflict or anything like that. So I'd be like, you know, and he would make it difficult for me to spend time with my godchildren. I say children, but at the time it was just one. Um, And it created this internal conflict in me, right? Because I do agree, there needs to be a balance of spending time with your partner. But I also strongly believe that each individual should remain an individual. So whatever your prior commitments were, or are, you you keep them, you do them, you may manage them, maybe it's shorter times or whatever. But in my mind, in my world, there's space for everybody and everything, right? Like, I love being with my partner, but I don't need to be with you 24 seven. I will, you should go have a guy's night. I should have a girl's night. There should be things happening, you know? So it it started to feel like everything was being chipped away, but I couldn't in that moment, see it, you know? Um, I'm sure, you know, I know my mom saw it. Um, I, I didn't see it. Um, and I'm sure my friend saw it too. And you know, at times people don't say anything because also what can you say? You know, you risk the conflict, you risk also me going like, I don't, you know, care and then like pushing them off, which I would never do. But people, you know, don't want to say anything because conflict, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that point that you bring up is really, really important. I think that unless you have two whole cells in a dynamic, it's never going, never going to work. You know, you can't take on the identity of your partner. Um and expect that to be a wholesome unit. It's going to be a partially broken unit. And um, I think a lot of people experience that in different ways. And sometimes it's done maliciously and sometimes it, it's done, you know, in, in a way that people don't recognize and pick up right away. Um, but I, I think that's critical. And I think that that's ultimately one of the key uh, factors to a successful relationship. And, you know, I, I say it all the time, you know, you have to work on yourself daily to make sure that you're bringing your best self to the person that you're with. Um, and if that means your physical health, your mental health, whatever it may be, you have to exercise both. So that way, um, you know, those who depend on you get the best version of you. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yes. So now, you know, this all starts happening. 
you mentioned like your mom uh, picked up on it. Uh, yeah, my like mom just an idea of the period of time. Is this over a month, two months, three months? Uh, this is, I would say, over like the first three to four months. Okay, three to four for months. For sure. Okay. Yeah, the first three to four months, you know, where little comments here and there, and then like everything would be great. So it's like someone makes a comment and you're like, oh, and then everything's fine. So you don't really think about it because everyone's like, how could you end up in a situation like this? And I said, because it's it's done systematically and slowly, very slowly over time. Kind of like if you put a frog, like they say, in a pot and slowly turn up the water, he doesn't realize he's being boiled until, quite frankly, the end. And we've we've arrived there, right? Like, how come the frog didn't know? He didn't know because if you turn it up a degree every week, you know, you, you just wouldn't know. Um, so all these little things, again, in hindsight, were planting little seeds that would make me eventually start to just be uneasy and walk on eggshells, you know, right? Um, I remember our first like huge fight was like this manufacturer. Well, one, it was over spending time with my godchild at the time. And, you know, he was making me feel like, or not making me feel like, making me make a choice between one or two. And I said, that I, my world doesn't operate that way. I don't, one, I don't do well with ultimatums. And two, I don't understand why it has to be one or the other. Like, that's crazy, you know? And then there was one night because he worked nights. He was sleeping. I don't work nights and I don't like to go to bed early at that time because I'm up. It's the pandemic. I'm not out as much. So I was scrolling endlessly on Instagram and he like walks in. I didn't see him and he startled me. And I like drop like through like I was dramatic, but I almost dropped the phone. And it was crazy because he accused me of cheating and then berated me for the entire duration until he went to work and then called me from work and continued to do it. And I was literally beside myself because I'm like, what, what, who won, who is this? And two, what is happening? You know, like just like a huge accusation. I've never cheated. I would never cheat. Like that's dumb. Like I don't, that just doesn't, that's just not who I am. Like integrity for me, number one. And like, that's crazy. Like I give you all of my time and attention. How could I possibly even do that? And then like the tantrum and the screaming. And I was just like, this is crazy, like crazy, you know? Um, and I remember, um, he has a, he has a uh, daughter, uh, too. Um, and I remember reaching out to the, the children's mother. And I just said, you know, I don't know what I said exactly, but it was kind of a way to try and feel like, like, is this normal? Like, like what's going on? And all she would say is do what you need to do to make yourself happy. And I get it now, you know, but in the moment I was like, I don't under, like, I don't understand what that means, you know? Um, so I endured it, you know, because the next day it would be like, nothing happened or I get flowers and all of this is textbook everything, but I didn't know I've never dated anyone like this. Right. I've never dated anyone who screamed at me or berated or had a tantrum. And then the next day literally did not, it didn't, it, it was like, and if I brought it up, it's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I, I mean, okay. <laughs> you were there, right? <laughs> I mean, right. Like, I, I don't even understand. Like, I don't even know how to reply to what are you talking about? Because it a hundred percent happened. And so then it became, you just, brush it off and like, let it go. And like you get trained or groomed as it's in the book. I hate that word, but it's true into just accepting 
this crazy behavior and you get more attached, which is a trauma bond, because like I didn't know of my like inner, um, you know, inner traumas, inner wounds as much as clearly this person did because targeted and then worked it, you know, to his benefit. Um, and I, I take my responsibility for, you know, my, my issues that got me there, but this person a hundred percent, you know, used it to his advantage and then continuously, you know, used different forms of abuse, you know, which is, which is crazy. It's, I, I, I still, to this day, don't understand how a mind can function that way and think it's okay. As long as I get what I want, you know, like that's wild. I feel bad. Like if, if I was rude to a person in line behind me, like I would think about that for like a week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it definitely suggests some sort of, you know, mental instability to, you know, just kind of pick up a, a fight like that, you know, cause that, that, it is an outrageous claim. If, if it's got no substance behind it, Correct. then, it, and then, it, then it, it's an outrageous claim. Right. But, and then that cycle would continue for weeks, not all the time, but like whenever he would go to work, I would wait and be like, like, are we going to art? Like, is there going to be a fight today? So it was like this weird cycle thing where like two hours before we go to work, we'd be fighting about something. It may not be about that specific one. Cause that claim never came up again. It would be about dinner or it'd be about something rant, like something random. Or why do you post your working out on Instagram? I'm like the same post that you liked for the last you know, year, like, because that's what I do. Like, I don't actually need an explanation to anyone, you know, of why I post what I post. Like it's my page. So that's the, that's where it gets weird. Like this cycle. And I didn't even in the moment see it as a cycle, right? It's when I was writing the book and, you know, the purpose of the book for me, which wasn't even to be a book was to deconstruct every single interaction to figure out how I got to where I got to, you know? And then in sitting there, I was like, wait a minute, this was a cycle that literally happened for a period of time randomly. And, and I was like, what, what would be the purpose of that? And the purpose of that is to continuously break someone down, right? And then to make me like, I'm walking on eggshells. Let me not do this. Let me not do that. Like, so we don't have an argument, uh, you know, and then it turns into, you know, him wanting someone that's just an extension of him. Someone who's going to sit quiet and do and say whatever he wants. And then when he needs to self-regulate his emotions, I'm going to just take it and be like, it's okay. Nothing ever happened kind of thing. And, and again, all of this in hindsight, but in, you know, in the moments of these things happening, that's, that's really what it was. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the mile 40 podcast, Go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.